Hello everybody and welcome to the 26th episode of the Chicken Chess Club podcast. Still the only chess podcast in the whole world. My name is Jan Gustafsson and I am delighted to be joined by Peter Heine Nielsen from a small cabin in Sweden and Laurent Fresinet from a spacious mansion in Paris. Peter, what brings you to Sweden? Uh, work, obviously. I mean, uh, I mean, well, Magnus is playing a, a chess tournament, so I've joined him as a second here. And um, well, it's going so so uh, so far. I would say that uh, well, um, all the chess. I mean, he's he's looking like he will quite easily qualify. There's like three rounds left at the first uh, fifteen, the preliminaries. But by his standards, he's not doing extremely well, and also. Last evening was um, well. We had we had a basketball draft league, and we had to draft players, and that was a very frustrating experience for me because uh, I don't really know anything about basketball, so I had to choose uh, twelve random players, and I'm not sure it, it worked that well. So um, I'm a bit frustrated right now, as you can hear. Maybe also as a Dane, I'm put here in the in the mountains in the north, and we you know we used to mock our Scandinavian colleagues for that. So I don't know really how it works. So I'm in a grumpy mood. Um, that's it. But as a as a co-captain of your fantasy basketball team, of the Chicken Chess Club fantasy team, because I couldn't make the draft myself, um, I have to say, you did an excellent job. You only chose reliable, high-character players mm. like Kyrie Irving, Trey Young, <laughs> Chris Paul. So we'll be we'll be in great shape. All the all the Lithuanians we have, I I look into the future with confidence there. That's encouraging words, so I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Thanks a lot. Laurent, what about you? You won, you won some, some tournament in Corsica, your, your spiritual yeah, home? Yeah, I went to, to Corsica for, for a few days. As Peter knows, I mean, he, he went there with me. Just life stops there, you know, like, you know, you just enjoy the place and... Uh, Amazing place. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm always very welcome, so it was nice. Some Simul, a lot of dinners. A lot of uh, fun. I played a small rapid tournament on the. It was very, I was literally playing two meters from the sea, so you know the chessboard. I mean, because sun is shining, so they, they we are just playing outside, and it was really great, you know. Um, How does Laurent manage to have a better life <laughs> than us? Like, does he have any any skills that we lack? Like? I don't know how he does it. Yeah. Yeah, he has good people skills. You can see they always uh, invite him back to Corsica. I mean, I had an amazing uh, experience in Corsica, but it basically reminded me about how I think uh, boxing is, except for the act, uh, on the absolute top level. I mean, um, you know, I was uh, greeted there very warmly. We were going to nice restaurants, getting a lot of food. We would hang out at the beach, go swimming, go sailing. And basically it felt like an amazing holiday, except for the part where you have to go and get completely beaten up by the local star, right? And um, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I, That's how you think boxing at the top level is. No, but I I remember at some point I was playing the Danish chess league and then um, I was standing next to the most famous Danish boxing organizer. Well, he's dead now, but uh, he was the one doing everything. And I, I heard him talk to, you know, one of the, the, the foreign boxers there. This guy was telling, yeah, it's great you called me. You know, I, I quit two years ago, but uh, it's nice you called me anyway, so I got to go here. It was clear that he was just enjoying his holiday. He was getting paid. And sure, okay, he had an appointment in the evening where he had to get beaten up a bit. So yeah, but that's basically how I see it. But maybe I'm getting it wrong. 
Yeah, and, and I don't, I, I don't get beaten up in the, in the evening, so that's, that's so cool. No, no, but I mean, you're the local star, and cause you're the yeah, local no, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I mean, like, I enjoy. It's been a while actually during this uh, uh, pandemic. Uh, they didn't organize. I mean, like it was actually a couple of years I didn't go there, so um, it was like meeting old friends, you know. Uh, so mm -hmm. it was very special uh, this time, and uh, yeah, no, it was um, it was a lot of fun and always uh, always very very nice. Yeah, uh, no, it was a nice little bike, you know. It's extremely nice to be there. They are so hospitable and uh, yeah. really love and care about chess. I think it's the place I've given the most autographs. Basically, we. We stood like for for sat for one hour when just uh, school kids were coming and uh, for some reason wanting us to sign uh, everything. So that was that was an interesting experience. Always great to hear your work growing the game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, while you are in uh, in Barcelona, yeah, and so like yeah, I'm in Barcelona now. I went to Alcanar. Shout out to Alcanar, the Spanish village or Catalonian village where I grew up. It was nice, my my childhood home. Um, and now in Barcelona, did a bit of commentary on the Champions Chess Tour the last three days and flying to Thailand to, to fight the jet lag before the Thailand Open tonight. I, I lead a very rough life. Okay. And in Play Magnus' uh, office now? Yeah, yeah. They, they allowed me to use this office for, for podcasting, for, for Yanistan TV. It's, yeah. Amazing. Have a nice view. Uh, yeah, I think I, I hope I can beat it. I have uh, mountains and snow and trees and all this kind of stuff in the background. I'm in Sweden, but it looks like Norway. But, uh, I was walking around in a t-shirt last night, so that can't be beat by definition. Fair enough. Sweden. Fair enough. That's a good point. Um, so maybe maybe we should remind actually that it's uh, an online tournament, this uh, aim chess, and that you are still traveling. I mean, like Magnus still wants to to feel like in, in a tournament. Basically. Yeah, it's to sort of, um, well, to create this atmosphere of it's a, it's a real tournament. I mean, if you just play from home, it, it ends up that, you know, I mean, you do the dishes and remember, oh, damn, it's six o'clock, I have to go and play a game of chess while here. Well, you know, you put it a bit more into sort of uh, routines and uh, you get this idea of uh, going away. I mean, quite often we have gone to, to Denmark, actually, also due to pandemic, our choices was a bit limited. So um, we have been doing that, but... Quite often he's played at ho from home as well, but um, I mean, uh, Reykjavik is happening soon, soon afterwards, so it makes sense to to combine them. He's uh, he's playing the uh, 960 World Rapid uh, Championship afterwards, or maybe it's just a World Championship actually. So, so. will you also prepare him in 960? Yeah, that should. Uh, I mean, well, I would have to remember a lot of openings positions, so that's going to be a bit tricky. They're not allowed to um, use any kind of. Um, engines or computers to prepare. So basically, he'll, he will have the luxury of talking to me for 15 minutes before the game. So, you know. <laughs> but he can get your, your input. Your <laughs> exactly, yes, yes. It used, to be, <laughs> it used to be different, actually. I mean, I remember some match where he had, he had the position like one hour before and we could use some, some... They have done that. How they will... It will be interesting how they will police it. I'm looking forward to that. Um, I will also be scanned uh, left, right and center. But... Um, we will see uh, how, how it goes. But um, no, that's interesting. I generally like the concept that they, I mean, well, they try to force the players to think from move one rather than just um, earlier. I think they would be given some kind of computer line and then they would just uh, play it. I think, uh, well, that's not how it's supposed to be. So that's going to be quite interesting. And also, it's very nice to be in Reykjavik in general, but of course, uh, 
it's the 50 year anniversary for the Fisher's Basket match. So it's a special thing there. So there is a lot of who won that one? <laughs> yeah, good one, <laughs> good one. I don't know. Um, yeah, it was Fisher, uh, but um, he he came up to a bad start indeed. But to come back. So. so so that that's that's how it is here, but it's true that um, oh, we have done it sometimes also. Well, it's a good way to have a semi, you know, well, not training camp, but to to get to meet and talk. Else, it just becomes a world champion matches and a tournament here and there. Magnus doesn't play that much classical anymore. So it's just you and Magnus in that cottage you're hanging no, out in. No, no, Henrik is is there, of course. Um, it was a, ah, right. was boss day yesterday, so I congratulated Henrik. He's the We're going to talk about CEOs later. I think Henry is the CEO of Magnus Chess, right? So, yeah, he's also here. But, um, well, they're Norwegians. They're going to go out skiing. And that, um, I was actually, a, for a Danish standard, pretty decent at skiing in my youth. But now I haven't done it for 15 years. And somehow I thought that, uh, well, breaking a leg would be suboptimal. So I decided not to. How about golfing? Your golfing so schedule wise. is... Uh... Go on, yeah. uh, Lithuanian weather is uh, is tricky. So now I'm I'm traveling here for the next two three weeks. There's a risk that the golf season is over when I'm back. So uh, that um, well, that's that's how it is. But um, Lithuania is colder than you think. I mean, it's basically on the same sort of same level of Denmark, where it's placed in the world, but it's much colder, which means that uh, the golf season starts only in May and finishes in uh, end of October, start of November. All right, everybody, if you got bored by us debating the weather, stick around in an hour. The feeder <laughs> segment is coming up. So don't uh, leave just it's yet. It's going to be dynamite. Yeah. All right. So we have the Champions Chess Tour. Three days out of four. That's 12 rounds have been played in the preliminaries at the time of recording. Magnus is still cruising, although he's probably not played well for his standards. He lost to... Uh, Eric Aisi and Gukesh, the, the Indian kids are beating him. He can't he can't be happy about that. No, no Mohamed Yarov too, but but you're right with the Indian kids that, uh, um, well, he lost to both. Maybe actually he lost two games in a row. I'm not completely sure, just with a day in between. And uh, no. whenever Magnus loses to an Indian kid, which happens now and then, uh, it creates humongous news in, 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 in India. So um, you have to mute Twitter a bit uh, at, at these times. But... Uh, I mean, no, I think he said himself in interviews that he hasn't really played well. <laughs> As if you ever muted <laughs> yeah, Twitter for, for a second. <laughs> uh, yeah, I get your point. But uh, no, it has, I mean, well, it's strange. It's obviously not been a very well-functioning tournament for Magnus. Even so, he seems to quite easily cruise into top eight, unless something goes horribly wrong today, uh, is, my, is my estimate. I mean, yeah, it's like six points. Standings. Six points for yeah, he has off. like five, six points down to the cutoff, yeah. right? Yeah, so, so I think uh, basically the tournament is to some extent cut in half, right? They At some point there was like nine players competing uh, for, for this, uh, or maybe ten for these uh, eight top spots. But I think that uh, especially Kamer collapsed yesterday losing all four games. So, I mean, today it seems like a bit of a strange day in that sense. But um, well, that would, might sound rather silly if things goes wrong, but let's see. That's not the plan at least. Yeah, third day was a rough one for German chess fans. Keimer had a great start, but uh, yeah, he lost five in a row now. He lost to uh, another Indian kid I wasn't very familiar with, Mittal. He seems to be an international master at this point, but he seems incredibly good as well. Yeah. Uh, my hunch is they have a bunch of good young players in India. It might be a hot take, 
But that is my feeling at this moment. He's 16. I think. This is the first time, yeah, as well. I mean, I didn't even... I, yeah, I didn't no, know the name. No, for yeah. me, I had to also look him up, check the picture and uh, his games like this. And uh, No, this is the, the fun thing with these events, that they bring in some who is actually very, very competitive, right? It seems like Mittal is not capable of, of qualifying, as far as I understand, but uh, I think both with Magnus and with Geary, it seems reasonably competitive in the games. Maybe... With Magnus, uh, well, he was winning against Magnus, mm. and he was a dead draw against Giri until he exactly. Until he blundered. And uh, I think uh, no, it is impressive, no, no, no doubt. And uh, but of course, the more sort of um, brand uh, Indian names like uh, um, uh, yeah. who's Gokesh and Eri Gaisi seems to <laughs> Gokesh Eri Yeah, yeah. Anand. No, no, but I mean in this tournament, right? They seem to be cruising, Vidit. Cr- cruising towards qualification. I'm not sure about Vidit here, right? He's probably in the in the bottom half. Yeah, Vidit has 14 points, so probably. Is... Yeah, yeah. And people mm-hmm. have 18. But, uh, so yeah. But you see it again, Erigaisi, Gukesh, uh, up to Satorov. They just seem to cruise easily through yeah. the, the the preliminaries, right? I mean, it's not that strong. Oh, I mean, it doesn't seem a coincidence. Yeah, they're just that good. I exactly, mean, they're, they're just world class and rep. Yeah, yeah. No, in the beginning of this tour, we would say, "Wow, you know, that one of the young ones qualified." Now we just shrug our shoulders and expect them to 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 do it, right? And uh, I yeah, mean, Pragnan does not playing this one, but if he was around, yeah. we'd expect him to qualify e- easily. Well, yeah. So it's uh, no, but it's not. Uh, it's less strong than usual, no? A bit. Sorry? I mean, the tournament, the lineup is less strong than usual. Yeah, to some extent. You're, I mean, it's probably not a coincidence that it's basically cut in half at the middle. It's, it's a bit surprising that Kamo is not uh, competing. Yeah, that's uh, the only one. But of course, if you lose five in a row, then, uh, well, <laughs> what can you do, right? Uh, it's, it's hard to come back from. But um, no, I think uh, the interesting things will start when we get to the knockout phase. Yeah. So that's what we are getting ready for here with a bit of a slow start, but hopefully... We can race to the, to the race to the challenge when it comes. Yeah, could still be fun. Also, I guess for you, once these matches start, you have to do more work than during, or I don't know, more work, but it gets more serious than during. <sighs> to to some extent, I mean, uh, I get your point that uh, well, Magnus now has lost three games, and somehow, um, you know, it seems to go rather fine uh, anyway. While in knockout, of course, it becomes much closer. I mean, you remember uh, the last event he. Won the preliminaries in crushing styles, and then he lost the first game to Aronian. You thought, okay, it's actually going to end like this. Well, it, it didn't because he was in actual shape and won the next three. But uh, of course, it becomes much, much more vulnerable afterwards, which is kind of the point. So it's, uh, I mean, you're probably not following um, baseball season closely, but um, they have like 162 games a season. And some of the team, for instance, the Dodgers was doing incredibly well, and they just lost in the playoff now. And also St. Louis, which we, all root for due to Sinkville and all their tournaments. Also had a great season just to to get knocked out uh, in, in, in two games. And, uh, I, the Dodgers are the team Mr. Dodgy bought with his Twitter. Something movie. like that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Then yeah, maybe he's doing better than I thought. Then, but uh, well, that's uh, that sport that suddenly it gets you know to this knockout stage and then things can happen. I've been told there's more sports going on in the U.S. Championship. Where Fabi is still in the lead. Uh, I think we already praised mm-hmm. him last week for having a good start. He's hanging in there. All eyes are on Hans Niemann as usual. But so far he's having, I don't know what he has, minus one. A quietish tournament. Not, not collapsing, but also not being a world beater. 
Laurent, anything that caught your attention in the US Championship? Not really. I mean, I'm following the games. Robson is close to, to Fabi, so it could be an interesting um, finish. Um, yeah, Animan is playing quite quite poorly, I would say. Um, of course, there was this uh, 25 minutes game between Dominguez and Moadi Abadi, my dream. I mean, like, he won. So I'm opening top oh, yeah, there was a in this game. Uh, yeah. Petrov. Well, you just you just lose a piece, but it's not even a trap. No, you go Bishpeng C four, Knight C three, and resigns. Yeah, maybe you have to think of it. Yeah, yeah, you have to think of it. And uh, well, so that was that was the fun the fun fact. Uh, I was very jealous. I mean, like to win a game in twenty minutes. I mean, uh, well, it didn't happen to me. Like for I don't know, maybe never. Uh, so yeah, I mean, like of course you cannot uh, conclude anything about Neiman. Because it's such uh, such a weird uh, situation for him, I guess. Uh, well, he still didn't answer to, but we will come later, yeah, to to face Dama. Okay, it still doesn't give any. He's giving interviews, but he's still not answering to, let's say, Magnus letter or chess.com letter or or nothing. Uh, so, yeah, and what can he say? I mean, so, yeah. Uh, overall. Um, Let's see. It will be interesting. It's just a very strong tournament. I'm surprised by your boy Wesley, actually, who is doing very poorly. He lost a couple of yeah. games to, to young kids. I mean, these kids are, are really... <laughs> they're a bit... Uh, I don't know. This Christopher Yu and uh, I don't know, so someone else. They are very strong, but they are also very, very confident. I don't know if they are, they are more strong than confident, but they, they clearly have the both, both skills. They're taking over. Where are the chicken kids? There must be some nice scared kids out there in the chess world as well. But, yeah, they don't seem afraid of the big guys, most of these upcoming kids. I think we talked about with Eric Aisi like two weeks ago, if maybe he froze facing Magnus. But now he's just right back in the running, looking yeah. cool, calm and collected as ever. No, that is maybe the sad truth for, for chickens, that... Uh it doesn't seem to be the optimal strategy for prodigies these days, right? I mean, they Oof. they seem to do it. Well, my take about the US thing is basically it feels um, nostalgic, right? I mean, it just feels completely normal that uh, Caruana is, uh, is playing like the world number two and he's doing well. And even while he's not, it seems not he's playing to his best, he still seems to be cruising to, to take the title, right? Um, then you spoke about Neiman. Well, he got back to, to minus one, but he was basically in trouble against Moret Diaby, who's outplayed him. But then Hans indeed found a, a nice trick in, in Moriabi's uh, time pressure, but he could easily have been on uh, minus three. So for, for Hans, no doubt this has been a, a, a difficult tournament. But, uh, well, as you mentioned, uh, obviously there is, um, could be a lot of reasons for, 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 for that with, with stress and so on and so forth, right? Yeah, and minus one. It's what Wesley has. It's half a point yeah. ahead of Aronia. Like it can happen. It's a it's a rough. Tournament. No, I'm just live on. I'm not sure what's going on. I I've, I mean the last uh, game before the free day. I mean ten minutes before it ended with a win. It looked like he could just as well lose. But uh, I mean, okay. But taking chances against the outsider who's been struggling. You, uh, no, no. I'm I'm always defending Hans. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. No, well, it's not criticism. I'm just saying that it's uh, you know. I mean, there it could have the ball could have bounced in a different direction. Moro Diaby was actually playing a pretty nice game, game till then. But uh, and I agree with So that this is kind of surprising. But 
maybe so you know has his mind elsewhere he has uh, he's the reigning um, world champion in 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 chess 960 and the the top seed there so it could be that uh, you know well this is the are you really uh, telling us he doesn't care about the US championship because he has a 960 uh, event coming I'm up not saying that but uh, i mean well Maybe we see 960 as exotic, but uh, well, it is a world official world championship, and they actually have a pretty serious prize fund. I think the the first prize is 150,000 dollars a euro, right? I mean, it's uh, probably quite more than the U.S. championship. So, um, I mean, no, I'm not saying he's doing badly on purpose, but it could be that um, he he's now sort of thinks, okay, I actually have to go and defend my title soon. Fair enough. Hans said, being a chess professional is not for the lighthearted. Many people who struggle to break through end up commentating and podcasting. <laughs> How dare you, Hans? <laughs> I was your friend. Yeah, yeah that's half towards mm -hmm. us, I guess. Uh, we are doing both with Jan. Whom is he taking shots at? Uh, Kampias, no? Is that Fabi who started podcast? Uh, this is, it's a good insult, but it just covers all, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. I mean, don't go after the seconds, right? I mean, uh, yeah. No, there was some tension with Fabi, right? Um, so I heard there uh, are non-speaking terms, okay. but I'm not sure what that means. No, probably that they don't speak. He did a bit of uh, of Magnus style, uh, Fabi, not saying that, uh, not saying directly that he's uh, accusing him, but indirectly he meant a lot of things. So yeah, so I think they both actually don't want to. To interact with each other so yeah while we're on the topic there was this interview i'm not sure if you read it yeah. with maxim dlugi who magnus brought up a bit tongue-in-cheek when he praised neiman and his mentor i think he called him dlugi um, a couple of weeks ago during the previous champion chess tour event then yeah there was this big article about dlugi leaking his correspondence with chess.com and that he got banned i think in 2017 and 2020 with this with this somewhat sad story that he was just teaching his students and then the, they were playing title tuesday and the students were were yelling moves they were like 1500 till 1900 and somehow um Dlugi was crushing the tournament with the moves the students were yelling but then it turned out one of the students might have been using an engine now yeah he's the Defending himself in this interview, he's in this interview with Der Spiegel, where he made some points. I'm sure Peter will have thoughts about that, about the process, if the playing sides and that kind, um, chesscom, how did he put it, should be whatever judge, jury, and executioner. But he also made some statements. I'm not sure. Would be interesting. Didn't if, what Magnus? How Magnus feels about it? He said he knows Magnus very well. They played a bunch of Blitz some years ago in Sinkerfield Cup. And Magnus was very surprised that Lugi was basically his equal. So with that statement combined with the story about the kids telling him moves during the cheating, I'm not sure I'm not sure he'll win the PR battle on that one. Peter, what were your thoughts? Uh, I, I didn't read it in the Spiegel, but I, I think I read uh, at least some of the open letter he, he, he wrote, right? And... Uh, Well, I know Lugi. Well, I played in a blitz tournament with him in New York uh, 20 years ago, and uh, no, he was winning it clearly ahead of me and uh, Joel Benjamin. He was like a, you know, maybe I forgot uh, 
some probably weekly event with with some prize money, and he was just very strong at that time. He was definitely a a blitz hustler, uh, was my my impression. But uh, well, to say that he was equal to Magnus, uh, I mean, within the last ten years, that would be surprising to me because um, well, uh, yeah. But uh, I don't recall Magnus having spoken about that uh, he played blitz with Lugi. No, no, I, I might have been there, but might not have noticed. So. Um, Apparently, it didn't. It made a stronger impression on him than than on me, right? Uh, well, this criticism of um, the sort of the the well, what do you call it? The legal status of that. Uh, well, servers will have to you know detect cheating, and and there's no kind of independent things. There. I mean, it's um, it's a reasonable thing to 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 sort of um, to mention, and I think this is one of the topics that will have to be dealt with in the chess world. I mean, um, I don't know how many details we will go into about the. Uh, the uh, German Chess Federation's Congress in the weekend, but I think they basically have decided that um, if you cheat in the online championships, it will actually mean you get banned in over-the-board uh, championships. So there seems to be a, a... I mean, Germans' our first move was in, in that direction, and it's going to be, well, interesting how they will handle it. Maybe you know more about it. Yeah, no, I like I like the notion. I guess we talked about it a bit. I'm still not quite sure how it will be done in practice. Like if the playing side bans someone, then they will say, okay, we consider that enough proof of cheating or if they will have their own committee for for deciding these things. But uh, I think it's good that they are addressing these these topics and and moving there during the Congress. Laurent probably watched the live stream of the German Chess Congress. I missed parts of it. Of course. Uh, no, but I, I, I also mentioned this... Um This that he admitted uh, in this open letter, which I had as well, that he admitted the cheating because it was the fastest way to to get a new account, and um, and he didn't have time to to deal with chess.com. I mean, which sounds very ridiculous to me, but uh, I, I I don't know. I mean, let's say if Peter would accuse me to 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 cheat, let's say in our match in Corsica, I would probably I mean like. I mean, like, I mean, I just, it's just uh, so random. I mean, you, you never admit uh, something you, I don't know. I would never admit something I didn't do, uh, even if it's private, because you never know if it's, it will remain private. I mean, it's something you, you wrote. So, I mean, it just feels weird to me. But Well, the problem is that when they ban him, he loses access to his account. And if he's using that for, let's say, students and everything, I mean... I, I get uh, his point that this is some kind of infrastructure he needs to do to be able to do his job right. Um, I, again, admitting to to cheating is a serious matter. So, um, but of course, it's a problem that they create uh, this incentive that you are getting rewarded for something if you admit, but only if you admit. I mean, of course, there is a, a problematic, isn't this? I think we've spoken about it before. That uh, I think in the Danish court system they would not allow testimony who's sort of strikes from a, from a deal being caught with the authorities like that. But um. Yeah, so that was the second go-around. Nowhere he, I think he was expecting that process to go the same way that he would admit um, the second time, because the first time, yeah. He is still giving the story about the, the students yeah. helping. So he just thought he would admit and get a new account and it would be handled handled privately. I don't know what to, what to think of that story. I can sort of relate, but maybe that's just me being naive that uh, I was thinking that if it's, uh, if it's quote-unquote private males, even if it's between me and a corporation, 
that they don't get published, but this uh, yeah, public interest seems to be seems to be overruling that, or I'm not sure how it works. But I could understand that from Glugi's point of view, he was he was surprised. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, no, but come on, I mean, that's not something I'm going to buy. Um, because he knows that people are, people are I'll, I'll never write Laurent anymore. no because you know I mean like this chess.com already few people will know you know that people are, are in the chess world you know how fast it goes into chess world so no but it's already the damage is already done no he was already being called a cheater since 2017 so when it happened again in 2020 <laughs> but I mean who are, who are we kidding it's hard to Hard to not believe chess.com found found some reasons yeah. to pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's um, a way to defend himself. But well, it's clear that uh, there is some lies inside this letter. So it's really the so that's why Magnus was making that point. Yeah, the mentor of uh, Hans who also lied about his uh, twice cheating. You know, like. Only twice, and that he regret it because then chess.com published uh, that was more was than hundred times. So um, yeah, <laughs> so Magnus at some point, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Chess drama in general yeah. seems to be I don't know if slowing down is the right word, but there's at least there's no breaking news every other day. Uh, no, like. maybe in the chess world. I mean, Norwegian news it's still uh, you know quite quite active. I would say right. I mean. Well, there was a new case uh, recently. I mean, uh, I think they're debating the Croatian league now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. I mean, that um, in the Croatian league, I think it was, uh, I think Johan Sebastian was uh, was playing there. And the team captain wanted him, wanted the team to agree to a 3-3 draw because they would clinch the title against the lower-rated team. And he was basically refusing to be part of that. And it sort of... Uh, created some kind of um, incident there, and he was upset with it. Um, and I think now the Norwegian uh, newspaper called, um, I think, both the, um, the the federation there and the team captain. I think the team captain basically admitted it and didn't really see the, the problem in it. And um, Well, it reminds me a bit about um, a joke uh, from... Um, from cycling, uh, not not uh, Tour de France, but sort of this kind of six day races and cycling. Some some Danish rider was asked, "Is there any kind of uh, cheating in in this?" And he said, "No, no, not at all. We keep all kind of deals, right?" So it's, um, I mean, um, here that well, that the, the the team captain was not denying that they agreed to a free free. Basically, said it's win win. We get the championship, and they have nothing to play for. Everything is is, is clear. But um, well, of course, from the outside media, this idea that um, even in team competitions that you will have prearranged draws is is interesting to to write about. And uh, it's also against the rules, as far as I understand. No, I, I guess. I guess it is. I guess in the old days, team captains, at least during a match, they yeah, were agree, exactly. allowed to agree to a result. But I also think it's a bit tricky if we throw everything, this and all of this into the basket mm-hmm. of cheating. Maybe the culture has to change, but it's not the same. Some guy cheating, especially in over-the-board tournament, with the computer assistant to a team captain in the Croatian League agreeing to a 3-3. It's just not. And if we throw everything in that same basket and everybody's a cheater. I I agree, of course, the culture should change with prearranged draws and uh, and all that stuff. But I still think there is a big, big difference. Like that might be a fun case for the Norwegian media and maybe Jan Sebastian 
feel strongly about it. Maybe he didn't want to make a draw against a low-rated player, but it it sounds rough to make that a big cheating case to me. I understand what you you mean, but it also gives away how it's seen in the chess world. That um, well, this is tech- that's what I'm saying. The culture it, has to change, but uh, not, to, to yeah. us, it's not the same. No, exactly. I mean, well, legally, you could ask that this is match fixing. It's basically fixing a a sports result beforehand. Who knows if it's on, uh, you know, if it was possible to bet on it. I mean, you, for instance, you know that um, on in chess there is betting going on in tournaments and there is certain pairings where at some point you just couldn't get, um, I mean, to bet because the bookmakers, well, the bookmakers are very clever. They will actually remove certain pairings because they understand, well, these, these guys seem to make draws. I think someone was telling me that... Um, uh, because uh, two guys... That's why you can't bet on the French championship. <laughs> well, something like that. Well, they changed the <laughs> they form. Changed the form I, I, yeah. I will tell you some but, funny story afterwards. <laughs> you, you, you enjoy it. Okay. No, but they somehow removed some pairings. And uh, some guy was telling me that because... Well, they were like three players. And, uh, well, two of them was making draws with one guy. But the two others, when they played, would not make draws with each other. But basically, the bookmakers had just decided, ah, these guys are making draws. So they removed uh, encounters uh, with, with them. And um, no, it, it's typically a habit for me to go and check the bookmakers before some games when I expect that this is players prearranging a draws. And quite often the bookmakers are pretty good in understanding what, what happens. Um, but also I think some years uh, back, uh, again, Magnus basically said it out right in, during a Norway chess broadcast, right? That uh, I forgot, yeah. was it the Kayakin against uh, Mohamed Yarov yeah. or Kayakin against Radjabov? I'm not completely sure. He said, well, this... Yeah, that this looks like a prearranged draw. And Mahmoud Yav was basically saying, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, and, and things like that, right? And um, no, I get your point that in the chess world, it's not seen like that, actually. No, I'm not saying not saying it's right. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm saying um, we shouldn't treat it the same like cases of people that cheat with computers over the board. You need a lot of criminal energy for that. You don't need a lot of criminal energy to be on some team in the Croatian League and the captains agree at 3-3. I, 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 I get your point. I wanted to... From the European Championship in 2001, and I remember an episode that two players had prearranged a draw uh, beforehand. But um, then the day after when they had to play, one of them came and said, I'm sorry, but actually my sponsors insist that I play the game and I don't do uh-huh. like this. Put them off. Thanks yeah. for, I was trying to be discreet, but... Uh, well, I mean, it's very well known yeah. and he admitted it and uh, he said... Yeah, and he said that, um, well, and basically, you know, a lot of people thought this was very unethical, not agreeing to the draw, but to break the yeah. prearranged uh, agreement, right? Well, it gives away the culture, as you as you say. I don't know if it's so bad with the younger generation, perhaps uh, less so. It seems to be changing. Yeah, that's my slowly my impression. And yeah, once again, not saying not saying it's right, no. but I think we all grew up in a world where agreeing to draws was a a very very normal thing that you constantly knew about and uh, it wasn't wasn't that frowned upon but yeah it seems like it's changing also with magnus already that generation they were they were just much more fighting than than the previous one i still think it really depends if there is uh, if two people agree to a draw and um, well again the famous example i have been using is me and sutovsky we we pre against a, a draw uh, I don't know, 20 years ago, but we were leading the tournament and, um, well, one of us would win and no one would be able to catch us. Basically, there is no victims here. We can still say it's it's bad and uh, you should, but there's no victims, but there are such situations. Well, the victim is Sotovsky as usual. Like, uh, how could he 
not anticipate the future yeah, how yeah. often you would bring this up exactly that is true but um, anyway it's my <laughs> there's no privacy in draw agreements with Peter Heine uh, no there's not uh, but there's not that many either but let's say for instance in team competitions there could be this situation well for instance this one we speak about well The team who has a chance to become champions, if this team loses, obviously loses out on this deal. And then it becomes uh, different when it's not longer a zero-sum game, but it actually there is some kind of victims, right? And, um, well, that I dislike. Uh, and The problem is in the culture, once again, people didn't see that much difference yeah. about making a draw after two moves no. to agreeing to a draw beforehand. Because you're allowed to offer a draw, or you were allowed to offer a draw at any point yeah. in in the game and in team matches. I think I've been part of a match where in order to win the title, we just offered, as a high-rated team, we just offered draws on every board early. And uh, why is that fine and not the other one? I, I'm just saying that's how it's been yeah, seen. I will tell you, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure it was legal because I remember this very well. Olympia 2004, uh, we played Ukraine in the last round and Ukraine just needed a draw to... Um, to win the title, uh, to win the Olympiad, which uh, they actually uh, won in the end. And uh, we were playing for like top five, but uh, uh, so we thought a draw, uh, a draw for them is very good. So let's play the free roll. And if it goes wrong, then the captain can go to, to Tukmakov, it was, uh, Tukmakov the, the captain, and uh, just offer, uh, offer the draw. So after like one and a half hour of play, it didn't go well. And our captain went to Tukmakov. <laughs> Tukmakov said no, <laughs> and we lost three one. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because this guy is uh, Volokitin, and I mean I lost to Volokitin actually. He was <laughs> was already doing very very poorly. Elianov beat Nataf, so <laughs> we saw the nice free all. I mean it was gone, and we looked like complete complete idiots actually. Uh, so that was. But that rule, they changed no, it's, uh, at some point. I don't know when. I also remember this was yeah, a normal thing to do. The captains could just negotiate results during the match. But I mean, the arbiter was there. So our captain was just uh, yeah, safe yeah. for those. Took Makov, ask uh, Ivan Shuk and uh, Volokitin. They say, okay, please stop uh, talking to uh, <laughs> please stop talking to us during the game. We want to focus. Want to beat these guys, and uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> that was uh, that was normal. So that was, of course, I think that was wrong. I mean, that you you can go. I mean, the captain from a team going to the other captain and uh, offer four draws. I mean, it's just a nonsense. Yeah, I think you should be allowed to offer four draws on the boards, but then the opponents has to the you know ability to pick. I mean, this you have seen quite often, that there is two promising positions in both directions, and then they agree to two draws. But that, this is wrong in, in, in some way, because they are making sure that, uh, you know, this doesn't get out of hand. These things I, I, I quite dislike. I mean... Uh, yeah, but they disappeared as well. No, that's already been fixed. Like, that no longer happens. <laughs> to, to quite to quite to some, quite to some extent. But, um, I mean, but also, well, I haven't been part of team competition for 10 years, so I'm not really up to... To speak with these teams. Why is that? Well, uh, first I said yes, then uh, no, then they stopped uh, asking me. I think that's more or less how it is. Well, I've been the Lithuanian team captain at one. Point. No, but my, my point is exactly what you said, Jan. We grew up in a world where it was, in the chess world, where it was just completely normal. I mean, like, you could go, I mean, from captain to captain and make, like, six doors, four doors, eight doors, I mean, whatever. So... Um, and and it was nothing wrong. I mean, this anti-door uh, rules came... Uh, came later, and uh, while mm -hmm. nobody saw the difference between uh, going a draw the evening before and 
after two moves, yeah. So, yeah, that was wrong, but... No, but they're both dying out, which is probably good, yeah, because you also don't see a lot of uh, draw agreements after after a couple of moves. I don't think, of course, because I never do it, I, I never fixed a draw against either of you. I, I recall against Laurent, we once had an, had an eight-move draw, which was very rude by Laurent, because he was black, uh, he doesn't know the opening, some random exchange stuff. <laughs> he just offers me a draw after eight moves, and of course, being the chicken I am, and I think we were doing well in the European Championship. I, I qualified for the World Cup. Um, I took the draw. Yeah. If we would just keep doing all our games, we would qualify for the World Cup, which was yeah, which was the goal. I think I also qualified. Also, a stupid yeah. system, and, and the, that you can just draw your way to the World Cup. But, yeah. but uh, anyway, I think people, the listeners, has gotten this idea of um, yeah, it's not seen as bad in the chess world earlier, and this has changed, which is uh, I think is a it's a good thing, and. Um, but it happens still now and then. I think, well, I was reading the FIDE Ethical Codex, and I think actually they have, um, they talk about mat fixing, that uh, if someone accuses you, you actually have some kind of obligation to clear yourself because it's so difficult to prove. Uh, but I don't know if, uh, if uh, draws are considered max fixing or we're actually talking about uh, results. And I agree with Jan that while fixing draws, both in teams and the players, should be punished. It is something, it is seen as very different and probably rightly so compared to actually fixing a decisive result. Although I see people online who says that, um, why is it, you know, if the expected score is 75% against 25%, why is fixing a draw worse than fixing a result? It's still the same number of uh, equity given away, but I think it's quite different. Uh, also, Well, simply... Because it's so difficult to stop people uh, agreeing to a draw, right? I mean, it's within the rules. Well, it's also difficult to stop people from fixing match, fixing games. It's just not something that happens. No. Like, <laughs> it's not a particular so, problem to chess. I mean, it just happens in every sport. I mean, when you have sport... You no, have chess, is, chess is very different in the sense that you can stop the game suddenly by mutual agreement. That's not, to my knowledge, any other sport who has this, uh, this thing. But we're getting rid of that slowly. Yeah, and that's, uh, I mean, I think in the beginning we were all hostile towards it because it basically made our... No, I always liked it. Really? Okay. Yeah, because for me, I mean, it's too late now, but one thing that yeah. really helped me back as a chess player was the time I was spending, yeah. thinking about should I offer a draw, should it's I accept a draw, yeah. but mainly should I offer a draw if I make this good move? Is, it, is yeah. this a good time to offer a draw? And it's such a horrible mindset to have. And you lose so much time actually thinking about the game. So I think it would have helped me tremendously if my chicken nature would have been kept in check by not being allowed to offer draws. I get your point. And no, you're probably right. And um, yeah, it doesn't really be belong there in, in, in a way. No, it's hard to see what, I mean, what it actually adds. Uh, so I, I, I get you. I, get, I, actually, I actually agree with you. Laurent, you're very quiet. No, no, I agree. I, agree. I mean, like, I think it's, especially for kids, I mean, for kids' competition, I think mm. it should be uh, uh, completely forbidden. And then you just... No, I... Because for adults, it's always, mm -hmm. it's late. I mean, for us, let's say, it's late. Uh, but for kids, if you manage to, to educate kids, that, I mean, like, not even educate, I mean, it just simply doesn't exist, then you don't think about it. I, I get Jan's point that... For chickens, well, you try to run away, and the draw offer is a, is a way to get out of an uncomfortable position uh, situation for both psychologically, and it shouldn't exist in sports. That's uh, well, that's what sport is about. You you get into the situation and and you you fight right. And um, 
So it actually, it doesn't serve much purpose. I mean, and this idea that, okay, well, some completely dead positions uh, will be played on for a bit, but we'll have to live with it. It's not uh, It's not a big problem. So no, it's actually... Ah, so that was the Sutovsky tweet about the Fabi against ah, uh, this Rook and Aipon against Rook, huh? Yeah, I think you're right that Sutovsky had a tweet that he was saying that, well, I don't know, I remember if it was waste of time or disrespectful or... You know, well, he had a he actually a poll if it was bad or what should we do or if it's the new new generation. And um, well, I belong to think that well, it's a new generation. We play out the positions, and well, I understand rook and pawn against well rook and pawn against rook. It's probably completely dead draw, so maybe it's a waste of time. But um, why? First of yeah. all, the the people on the broadcast they don't all know why rook and a pawn against rook is a dead draw. And also, it literally takes them two minutes yeah, maximum yeah. to play it out. Like, you just go through the motions, the game is over, stalemate. Like, uh, what's the big deal? I think it's annoying if one side in such a position with the pawn up thinks for an hour yeah. about what to do. But if they just blitz out the moves and the game is over, like, who's losing anything? I, I, no, I agree. I, do, I don't see the, the problem. Also, well, I mean, how little equity should you have in order for it to make sense to play out? If you have half percent chance of winning and none of lose, losing, what's the big problem? I mean, come on, he doesn't have half percent. I mean, he has zero. Even if zero, you can play it out. Just give the stalemate. You're done a minute later. The spectators are happy. That doesn't matter. Maybe. No, maybe this one is too simple. But, uh, I mean, there is others where, I mean, no, I thought this is basically, well, of course, comparing it with Magnus is a bit different because, well, he wins a lot of dead positions, but they're not that dead as this one. But No, but he does the same thing. Like a lot of people do that. Just uh, you play till king versus king instead of agreeing yeah. to a draw 15 moves earlier. You just take uh, take all the pieces and uh, and it's over. I don't, I don't see any problem. No, no, I, I genuinely agree. I don't, I don't see it as disrespectful. And I think if it's, if the player who has to defend is annoyed, well, yeah, but uh, try not being a pawn down if this bothers you. I mean, this uh, well, this nuisance comes, and uh, you will have to live with it. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm I'm defending. Maybe I'm wrong, by the way. I'm not sure if they if you did think for an hour with the a pawn and rook versus the rook, then I'd be annoyed too. I'm not yeah. sure if that happened. I didn't see. That. No, I I don't think this was the case. But um, no, I get well. Then it becomes trying to bother or tire your opponent. Well, if you have a legitimate reason to think, but if you, no, you're just being yeah, annoying. I think yeah. basically you're just being annoying. But um, well, it depends on your competence level. I mean, I think I've mentioned it before, but I, I mean, I played Kasparov and uh, in this rapid tournament in, in Reykjavik, mm. and uh, well, he offered me a draw, and I said, I'm sorry, I. It's not obvious to me this is perpetual. I need to think a bit. Then I thought for one or two minutes, okay, it is perpetual. And then we agreed to a draw, right? So, I mean, to be incompetent <laughs> and not understand it is fine enough. But, well, I was not trying to annoy him. I just, I just needed to make sure for myself, right? And uh, that's, uh, that's fair enough. No, that's completely normal. Hmm. But, yeah. Now, you liked, you, dis, you disrespected uh, Guy Kimovic. <laughs> well, it's also strange if you do. You notice how Peter, in, to every podcast yeah. episode, he manages to flick in the same the same story about him drawing Kasparov. Yeah, 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 comes up every episode. I mean, I'm going back to Reykjavik next week. Trust me, it's coming up again. So, uh, yeah. No, actually, I had this against uh, Sutovsky. Uh, some funny moment I remember in the Open Championship, like I think to 2014, where it was some opposite color bishop. I was pretty sure it was a draw. And then, but I saw a plan for him. I mean, it was not working, but I saw, I mean, he could do something. So I started to think. And then uh, he just asked me to, I mean, there was no door offers. 
before move 40 and he asked me to to play faster uh, uh so i mean <laughs> that was a bit weird <laughs> like okay. i mean like to play faster so he just wanted to repeat moves i mean i had no plans uh, whatsoever so he was the only one to 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 have a plan i don't know he, maybe he figured out uh, faster than me that it didn't work uh, so he didn't even try. He just so I played the move and he just skipped it. So you played faster and he <laughs> did his plan and you lost it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. He just he just played some uh, random uh, bishop moves. Didn't do anything and it was uh, though. But generally, he seems a bit. He uh, seems like uh, a busy man and he doesn't want to to waste time on uh, on on Dovish position. On drawing you. Yeah. <laughs> on, yeah, on, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Fair enough. Speaking of busy men, I found some time in my very busy schedule to read some chess books. I have the prestigious Thailand Open coming up, so I thought I should look at some chess books. Um, I have some reviews. I guess you guys don't read chess books either. Peter actually told me about one we couldn't debate if that's a chess book or not. Um, it's, yeah. Half chess. Laurent, do you read any chess books? I used to, but not anymore. Yeah, I used to read every chess book I could get my hands on until I was, I don't know, like 18. And then it slowed down considerably and more or less stopped the last 15 years, which I guess is normal. We're used to working with computers and openings and so on. But it's a bit it's a bit sad too. I actually enjoyed it. So I read this book by <clears throat> Michael Adams and I think it's Philippe Hurtado. Sorry if I get the got the name wrong. Think like a super grandmaster. That was fun. You get some exercises, usually not that difficult. And you're, you're supposed to think about them like in a tournament game, 10 minutes or whatever. And come to a solution. Then you can read the thoughts of players at different levels. Like Adams is the super grandmaster. But you also see thoughts of people with whatever. 1500, 1800, 2400. Trying to solve the exercises and go through this thought process. I thought it was quite interesting. Also, I like that the exercises weren't that tough. I, I could solve most of them, so I felt like a super grandmaster. <laughs> oh, no, but I mean, first of all, I think the book won some prize and has been praised a lot, right? Uh, that was my uh, no idea. I just uh, grabbed some books, but yeah, that one was good. No, I, I, I think, I think it did. But also, well, this idea of being able to solve the exercises, I think, actually, is an important point. My general impression is that exercises are way too difficult. I remember before the World Cup in two thousand eleven, and again, I'm only mentioning tournaments which I did well, which is limiting. But um, in the plane going there, I was bringing one of Ogo's book, and it basically had like three chapters, like level one, level two, level three, in terms of difficulties. And, uh, well, I was doing the warm-up section because I was the only one I felt that at least I have a competitive chance to solve some of them. And, uh, no, I think generally some of these exercises books are just incredibly difficult. And uh, I don't know if they reflect reality, to be honest. Well, they don't reflect my reality, at least. Um, no, that's the problem. I was going to get to that because I also got Ramesh's book, Improve Your Chess Calculation. Ramesh, of course, a highly, highly acclaimed, rightly so, Indian coach, worked with a lot of these young talents, and I just have no no chance of solving any of the oh, exercises, yeah. um, which, I don't know. Like I didn't sit down with the chessboard and try it for two hours in every position, but basically it's some incredibly complicated position. I think about some ideas... Then there are like five pages of, of incredibly complicated analysis. Obviously, I, I saw very little of it. And it's just too tough for me. And I would guess I'm in the higher rated demographic of readers. Maybe that's the, that's the difference between <laughs> us and these Indian kids, that we can't force ourselves to do them. But 
I don't get it. Like, I understand people think it's beautiful, how deep chest is and so on. But who can solve these exercises? Seriously. I don't know. I mean, when I was uh, younger, I bought a computer program from Dovetsky with a lot of exercises. And uh, no, I was using some of it and it helped to get me in shape. But again, I could only... I saw that program. That was also incredibly tough, but yeah. I could only do the easier easier ones by far. And uh, well, most people who has been using it and borrowing for me, they use it as a computer game. Sort of, my, You try to have fun while the idea is you should sit down and, and do it uh, thoroughly. But uh, it's very, very difficult. And... Um, no, I mean, sometimes I have seen some, let's say, 2,000 players doing some of these exercises uh, well, in the books you mentioned. And, uh, but it's been clear to me that they don't grasp the details of uh, the, the solutions. Uh, so, I mean, for me, it doesn't reflect how, how chess is played. But obviously, it works yeah. for some. I think it really depends on your style. I remember, well, when I was younger, again, Arthur Yusupov was doing lectures in Denmark, and I spoke to him, and he said that, well, you know, your weaknesses is calculation and you're intuitive. Well, you should be very happy about it because um, uh, that is something you can train and do something about. Because, well, calculation you can actually work on, while working on intuition is much more blurry and complicated. But, um, well... Uh, yeah, maybe I'm just being lazy and the proper thing no, is no, to sit down just... and think through it. But I think it's important if you if it's like a tournament situation, yeah. the yes, other book. I thought for 10 minutes usually I had uh, the solution or an idea about the solution. I was wrong two, three times as well. But there that felt more like a like a practical game. Of course, often I thought just one, two minutes if I saw it quickly. But the other one, I mean, I would have to sit down and think for half an hour and get to like 10% of the computer lines that are the solution. I don't see how that's real life chess. I, I think it's an important subject and it should be spoken about. Of course... Well, we are maybe biased. We are all intuitive. And also, well, we are blessed with working with some ridiculously strong talents. But I don't know if it's very useful to do it. But, uh, well, it would be interesting to hear some who has done it uh, successfully. For, for me, the problem was that if I did it too difficult, it would also crush my self-confidence. And uh, Yeah, yeah, that's that's another issue. Like, that's what I liked about the first one. Um, you, you feel good. You're like, you, you saw the solution. Bam. Next one. And uh, then you miss somebody, you still feel okay. And I think it also builds your pattern recognition. While with the other one, it might be me being too weak a calculator, but I just feel miserable. Like, uh, okay, I can't solve any of those. And yeah, I saw two moves down the line, then you justify it to yourself. That's very tough. No, it's good. I think it's good. It's good for really, really top players. I know that. Uh, but Magnus also Ka hates it. Like, too tough exercise. He hates it. He's not that good at it either. Karana's different. Yeah, mm -hmm. but Karana, he was training with Chanin. I remember I saw a lot of his exercises, actually. And, um, yeah, it was very, very difficult again. But, I mean, now Kawana is just uh, calculating like a machine. So um, that was that was good for him. But, I mean, it's only <laughs> it's only few, few, few top players. I mean, for for club players, I don't see what's the point of, of doing that. I fully agree. No. I mean, we organize to have Doretzky over for the Danish national team like 20, 25 years ago. And basically he was, uh, what he was doing, he was playing a simul where each of us had sort of an exercise, uh, well, fitting to our level or basically way too high. And I think one out of 10 solved it. And this was Jesper Hall from Sweden, actually. But I think Doretzky wanted to show us that, um, well, we all care about openings and positional understanding and these kind of things, but we are actually not able to calculate uh, straight lines. And this is something that we should... Uh, work on. So I was getting his point, but also that, um, well, I don't know if it reflects uh, reality in a way. It becomes a way you can train very hard and you can build certain skills. 
But if that's how you win chess games, it's not fully up, uh, clear to me uh, in a way. Yeah, I'm also not sure. Could be if you just go through, especially at a young age, and organize that you just become an amazing calculator. But for me, it can also mess up my brain if I try to um, simulate getting too deep into position. I'm not sure. It's a it's a complex complex topic. I don't have the answer just for me. It doesn't work. I can. I can no, but I mean, if we compare doing all these exercises with spending the same time playing bullet chess, are we actually completely sure that bullet chess is not better? I understand that my might be be cancelled for that in the coaching environment, but uh, it's yeah, not a no. given to me. Take players like. Uh, Nakamura, Magnus, uh, and others who's been playing more bullet than solving exercises. I, I simply don't know, but it's a relevant discussion in my opinion. Yeah. No, I don't have the answer either. I just, yeah. No, no. I'm uh, genuinely curious for change. Yeah. Also, what I notice, usually chess amateurs will praise these incredibly hard books like 1800 players. They will they will say, this is an amazing book to improve your your calculation and so on. And who are we kidding? <laughs> Like you guys can't solve any of this stuff either, so maybe they just enjoy to see the yeah. the depth of chess. But uh, I'm I'm always very confused. And it was the same with the old Voretsky exercises, but in general, most of the highly acclaimed books, I'm just too stupid for. But that feeling I actually get. I mean, in shogi, I'm an amateur player, maybe like eighteen or nineteen hundred. But of course, I need to have the you know best exercises book, the, the nice Indian. I want to understand the, the newest trends in openings. And it uh, has absolutely no relevance for my, um, you know, results because, uh, well, I can lose a plus 10 position easily in the in the critical phase because I, I'm not very good at uh, spotting the, the, the mating patterns, which is extremely, but it becomes more like, uh, well, an emotion that you need to have an open grab. So you need to, I mean, it, it's a hobby. So so I get the point, but. Uh, no, no, of yeah. course you want the, the good stuff by the good coaches. That, that I understand. Just, mm -hmm. I'm always confused. If I'm really the only one who's frustrated that these exercises are, are too tough. Like, no, but I mean, I maybe. <laughs> quite some Danish juniors have been telling, okay, don't make quick draws and play more blitz online. This has been some of my, my, my advice. I don't know how well, well it worked, but I don't think it's that bad advice. So what else? What else did you, did you read? I, I read an opening book uh, there. I just skipped through. It was nice by Play the Nimzo Indian by Igor Lisi. I'm mispronouncing the name. But he's a strong player. He's like 2,700, just a well-thought-out repertoire. Mm -hmm. People like doing Nimzo books because it's easier than doing a whole D4 repertoire. Like you don't have to bother with the Catalan and Knight F3, D5, Knight C3. But it was, uh, it was still, I learned I learned some things and yeah, it looked like it was a proper repertoire. So that's a good advanced repertoire book. And I read on Peter's recommendation, or read as strong, I started reading... What's it called, actually? Masterpieces? Dramas and Masterpieces. And Dramas of the Soviet Chess History by Voronkov, mm -hmm. which is very interesting. But once again, I had a similar reaction <laughs> then to Ramesh's book. Oof, I need to focus for yeah. that one. Which for me, this will sound very dumb, but it's a problem I often ha have with reading Russian literature. I'm not so used to the names and the parental names and the nicknames. And there's a lot of that, if I'm not familiar with whom he's talking about, where you really have to focus, ah, who was, who was that and who was that and was this the parental name of that? And yeah, I guess that one can fix with some practice. But sometimes it takes me out of reading books mm -hmm. with, yeah, with Russian person personalities. I thought these books, uh, well, they also won prizes and they're very interesting. And well, at least for, for me... Sure. 
I got a lot of new info about how chess started in the Soviet Union, about the championships, how difficult it was that uh, well, they were even having shortages of food. Uh, some of the, I think at some point they went on strike and demanded to have more cheese and things like this. It's sounded pretty pretty wild, right? But well, basically, I mean, we have all spent basically our whole life in the chess world and um, all the main anecdotes and stories we know, but I thought that this actually quite enriches my knowledge. The same. Oh yeah, I knew yeah, nothing yeah. about this. Also, it starts like, I think in 19, 1940 and the politics behind the scenes and the pictures from the tournaments. It's super interesting, just it requires focus reading. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's bad, but, uh, it's No, I, I get your point also. I mean, well, we are chess experts. We actually used to taking a chess books and sort of leaf through it and extract all the information with opening books and things like that, right? And uh, I can do it quite uh, efficiently because we're we kind of experts. So I agree, this is a different book. I most likely haven't finished it, it fully either, but um, that's a You generally story. just, with DVD, you generally just ask me to, to watch them. I have even, that I have been doing sometimes, <laughs> just to tell you that. Uh, I think even some point I've forced you to... Yeah. Watch uh, DVD on the Stone Wall and then sent me a summary, right? And then I, I think I played it in Bundesliga. So, so, so that was, was like so the fastest way for you to to get it done. It's basically abu <laughs> abuse of power, but uh, oh, yeah, I mean, okay. no, no. But the DVDs are also nice, but they they also take time to to watch. Sounds a bit like my great predecessor. I mean, like I enjoyed. This is my favorite series of book uh, with many Russians' names, but we are more uh, more used to to it. <laughs> But there we we just mainly talking <laughs> nah. about the world champions yeah. and the great players of the times. There I can follow the names, but uh, in this book it was so much new material. No, especially the Karpov Kasparov matches. I mean, this great places of book. I think it's just uh, fantastic. No, I read all of them. They're all great. <laughs> no, I agree. But well, with with Yancy, they actually introduce a lot of new characters we didn't know before. I mean, Kasparov's yeah. are giving his opinion on things that we more or less knew. I would say. Right? And that's, of course, extremely interesting because he's Kasparov. Um, I think Voronkov was also involved in that, if I remember correctly, right? Um, but no, these these are great books. I also want to throw in that, well, there was some new books by Laska, which also impressed me a lot in the sense that, I mean, I got so much info I didn't have uh, beforehand about Laska. And he, well, he, Laska is still writing books? No, but they are making this... Uh, biographies about him, right? Uh, in German, they came yeah. out in, in English as well. Uh, well, I mean, the same with this Voronkov books. I mean, it's obvious it has taken an absurd amount of uh, research to do it. And, um, well, that is always uh, very interesting when someone do these kind of things out of passion. I mean, but they're also very hard reads. I, I, I have them, but I haven't managed to read them fully also because, as you say, there's a difference between, you know, looking at the games, reading Kasparov's comments... And then to take in a lot of new names and, and info you haven't uh, had before. So maybe that's what people do on an everyday basis, but it doesn't seem normal for us, right? No, but still, yeah. as you said, these projects should be praised, yeah. like the amount of work Incredible. he must have done and the people he contacted to get information and the pictures and so on. It's, it's so impressive and I, I hope it does well, but it's clearly also, you don't do this just for commercial reasons to research 2,000 pages about forgotten Soviet chess history. So, yeah, I I very much impressed by it. Then you do a DVD on the dragon, right? So. I still haven't cashed in on your 2012 or 2008 dragon notes. Maybe I can still sell them somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> give it a shot. I made, the, I, I actually did, I actually did the DVDs on that, yeah. That's pretty. 
That was the the books you have read. Are you actually giving away your Nimsa repertoire here before the the tournament? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but you know it is. Like this is a strong player. I'll skip through it and see if I find uh, yeah, some yeah. new things. Like uh, I know the Nimsa, but uh, that was the usual process. I read it for like half an hour. There were like three, four things uh, I didn't know and uh, that were interesting to me. So I can very much recommend it. Also, it looked like a sort of repertoire. But, I, but yeah, that's just for skipping through for for info. Maybe, well, we say we used to read a lot of chess books earlier. I think people underestimate, uh, well, how many books we had. I mean, at some point I had uh, Kulovic staying in my flat in Aarhus. And uh, he said he basically didn't leave the flat because he was just reading my library all the time. I mean, basically, my flat was completely packed with uh, chess books because well, that was how you were getting info yeah. at that time. Then really? I moved to Lithuania and I threw out a lot of the old stuff. Uh, but even now in Lithuania, I moved everything into a corner of the basement because uh, it simply was taking too much space. But now, when I had to find some uh, critical letters 27 and 30 years ago against some of the present FIDE members... I had difficulty finding, so I actually spent like two hours in my basement. But I, I did actually manage to find uh, as my Paris Millie's answers from 1996 about Strumica. So you know, wow. I knew they were there. I had to, I had to find them. So, so we were. I was really hoping that the story would come to some love later. You know, about some our love from Peter. You know, like some nice correspondence, some very romantic stuff. But no, that was that's my, that's my. It's ghost tournament. That uh, doesn't that that doesn't exist. But critical letters, I know where to find. <laughs> so, but does that bring us into into yeah. Peter Corner? Already? Wow! Is there any? Already? I don't know. Yeah. Is there fresh drama? Junior power rankings. What do we have? I came. I had a bad, bad yeah. week, right? So, Kaima had a rough day. He had a good. He had a good start. Actually, he was in the first shared lead after five rounds. But yesterday, he lost all four. That was tough. Well, the Indian kids we mentioned both beat Magnus. They'll be up. It's actually a good point. He could still qualify despite having lost five games in a row. That would be something. I mean, it's not likely, but uh, the chances there. That would be pretty pretty impressive. Up to Satorov also showing he belongs in these power ranking conversations. He's just yeah cruising to qualification. It looks like. I mean, he was he was world HP champion, so that doesn't come by accident. No, no, no. I mean, no. We know he's great. We are basically getting to the stage where. We shouldn't really talk about them as talents anymore. They're top players, right? But of course, we are happy to change our opinion on a weekly basis. Yeah. <laughs> if they lose some games in European Club Cup, they're back to talents. This could go very quickly. Bring in special episodes if needed. No, but we should we should go to the to the segment, the Peter segment. Wow, everyone is waiting for that. Come on, is it? No, but let's get chickens out of the way first. But I don't, I don't have a chicken, chicken as usual. Maybe ah, oh, we had some nice conversation about you. You, you you will be you will be my chicken of the week, Jan. For the Plovdiv. But you just take me every third week because you don't want to take Anish every time, then you take me every third week. It's okay. I just was you just reminded me of this game in Plovdiv actually. But but you offered me a draw after eight moves, so now you're calling me a chicken for it? You were you were you were you were I mean you had some prep, uh, you had some idea. I was out of book at black. We had approximately, I guess, the same rating. Was very rude yeah. to offer, but I did cruise to World Cup qualification, so I don't feel too bad about it. Ah. But I'm not gonna deny having been a chicken my whole chess career, mm. and it's helped me back greatly. That's why we're here now. And, and you, and let's face it, I prefer that I you prefer that I pick you than others and gay. I I really don't care, uh, but I don't have a good chicken to pick. Eric Aisi very much redeemed himself. I have a suggestion for you, uh, Jan. Ah, go ahead. <laughs> okay. 
I will actually also take Jan. Well, not Jan solely, but uh, Germany. Um, well, let's hang on here. Yeah, exactly. It's the Chicken Chess Club podcast. <laughs> and you guys want to pick me as the chicken yeah. every week? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, Germany, actually, the German Chess Federation, I've been incredibly fond of, and I still am. They were standing, they were our biggest supporter in the in the FIDE elections. But uh, now they had their Congress, and I think there was a resolution that uh, something should be done about um, Russian influence in, uh, in FIDE. And I think the decision was that this was not a pressing matter or dringent, uh, you, you translated, Jan. Um, so, I mean, well, that disappointed me a bit. At least it gave me a chance to also nominate Jan here on the fly. What does it have to do with me, first of all? I wasn't there. I wouldn't contribute. I don't know the exact statement. And yeah, I don't think it's a laughing or chicken matter. So I strongly... And deny the notion of being called a chicken for that. Well, you are a member of the Federation, but I generally feel it's a bit chicken that, well, we know we're going to lose uh, the, the fight, but and then not taking it becomes... Uh, Which fight do we know we're going to lose? Uh, Russian influence in FIDE. So going up against... Well, this is the typical thing that they say if you vote for... Or if you go strongly up against uh, Russia in, in FIDE, you, it might, uh, uh, I mean, not turn out too well for you in a way. So I... I generally thought it was a pity that uh, this uh, motion uh, didn't uh, carry, but uh, I was mainly just trying to get a cheap poke at you now, Lohan started. Fair enough. Um, no, no, that's fine, but you're already deeply in Peter Corner. Like, oh, none of this stuff has anything. No, relevance with the, the character. You're, you're right. So let's, let's get into it. We need a jingle for it. Yeah, right? yeah. What's wrong with FIDE this week, Peter? Well, I think we should generally start with the, the most recent statement where they presented their managerial board. And uh, I can honestly say I didn't exactly understand the, the titles they had before. But for instance, now they have changed from Sutovsky being, was it Director General or General, General Director? Then. I think Director General to now being the CEO and, well, they all have fancy titles, but, well, maybe there has been some reconstruction that I haven't understood, but I didn't understand it beforehand either. For instance, um, will FIDE have a new director general after Sutovsky when he's become the CEO, or is just just disappearing? I mean, it's, uh, well, it becomes a bit uh, very phony to me and sort of pompous in a way. I mean, it will basically be like the first day we meet uh, before a World Championship match, we start delegating um, titles like that. I mean... And um, structure has always been clear. Like Laurent is our supervisor. <laughs> he doesn't have to do any work. No. He reports to you. Um, and you were just a slave sitting there yeah, working very hard. Yeah, just awesome. slaves sitting in the Fresnay. That was nice. In the Fresnay torture su chamber. Su su supervising yeah. and checking, yeah. Uh, you on, you on <laughs> Slav, you on Spanish, you on stuff. And me, I'm just talking to people. You're, ma you're making me sound much more dictatorish than I actually am. Uh, I mean... I'm, when I do lectures about myself, I say that we have this free structure, we creativity flows, and that's why we achieve great results. But uh, it's not how it felt for you? No, it's not true, of course. Not at all. Okay, I see. Well, that's a bit. We, we report to Supervisor Fresenier, <laughs> yeah. but sometimes uh, Duboff, he would try to, to break <laughs> out of the system and, uh, and go his own way. Yeah, I, I don't think that uh, Duboff seen his, see himself as just uh, a, didn't understand a, a, a worker structure. sitting there at the bottom of the power, power chain <laughs> doing what he's told. That's, uh, I, I don't think that's uh, Duboff, Duboff's impression. I mean, uh, there was some misunderstanding. <laughs> yeah, maybe. yeah. And, uh, 
No, that's also, I think, when in, in Team Anand, sort of, um, well, they, I think for the absolute first camp, they said, well, we make you in charge of the preparation. But it basically meant that uh, everybody will just send their sort of half-finished files to me and I had to put them in structure and order. So to me, it felt like more that I was becoming a, a secretary for everyone else than uh, being... Um, you know, in charts, but it's it's difficult to say. But anyway, this was to criticize feed and not me. <laughs> so so let's, let's 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 go back to that. But um, um, yeah, I don't know. But um, yes, that's so that no, I mean, like uh, I will, I will once again maybe on that feed topic agree with Peter. Yeah, it's just so weird. And what what's the difference? I mean, in his um, every day's uh, job, I mean. On Tsutovsky, I don't think I think it will be the same. Anyway, he said I actually claimed that he was the organizer of Olympiad or one of the main guys there. Yeah, I mean, I like uh, so. I mean, what's the difference between CEO and general director? I mean, I just accept the name. Well, also CEO is yeah. something I it's for company. I mean, you no? do in a company, not not in a democratic organization. Yeah. I mean, well, I tried to Google the CEO of FIFA, and it came with Infantino, who is the president. So. Um, I I don't get it fully, but also maybe I'm not uh, supposed to. I think before the elections, I was criticized for not understanding the structure of a organization I wanted to be part of the leadership in. So that's maybe perhaps uh, fair enough. But for me, it's it, it's puzzling. Also, I think they made the announcement and then uh, suddenly they added uh, Tuale the day after. Maybe they forgot him in the first place. But I think after elections, you typically see this that the organization grows because they have to sort of um, reward people. And um, I mean, I think I've mentioned it before, but after Dvorkovic was elected, he had to appoint uh, two or three uh, vice presidents. And I think he had only announced uh, one of them beforehand. So that was actually a quite a long break because there was n negotiations going on about these uh, things, for instance. I think also that, for instance, there was two people in South America running for who has to be the continental president. And uh, I think one of them was giving a vice presidency and then the other one would win there. So, I mean, there is a, a lot of uh, negotiations going on. I can see Jan is extremely bored. Yeah, no, but Jan is, so, <laughs> you are not vice president, yeah. Jan? I thought you were there already. You, you are not vice president, vice president? Um, I can't talk about it. It's not a transparent <laughs> application process. No, it's not. And that's perhaps also a bit of a, a problem. I saw that in... In FIFA, it's only eight out of uh, 35 that's nominated by the president. But um, anyway, then another thing with FIDE is, um, well, there's a tweet here by Leonard uh, Oates, who is even friendly with the guys. He's saying that, well, where is the World Rapid Play happening in December? Where, where, where is, what about the, the candidates' tournaments for, for women? Uh, the World Championship match is supposed to be in spring. And what about the upcoming um, sort of... Um, the World Cup and the, the the format for the next World Championship cycle. It's a lot of things happening quite soon, and um, again, transparency. It's it's been a while, but we are we are back to that. I mean, are we actually expecting a World Championship match in, in five months without knowing it in advance? No. And more importantly, we don't know the dates, we don't know the location, but we don't know who will be in the appeal committee. So I mean, that's, yeah, that is, that's the that most important true. topic for Jan. But I think I can make it. Five months notice is fine. <laughs> Let us know. Yeah, with, us know. with whom we yeah. should become friends to to get this job, uh, Peter. You you know you know a lot. You are just uh, checking them all day long. I think you basically have no chance. There, these spots are taken. I mean, I'm willing to take a bet for Nigel Short against the two of you if you want. Um, it's two against one. But um, <laughs> I mean, like, mm, yeah. no, it's it's. 
Well, these jobs are difficult to get in. And while we can laugh about it here, I will still go back. I mean, I know all these uh, Dvorkovich interviews by, by heart from 2018. I mean, he's the one pointing out we have to go away from giving posts for sinecure positions. It has to be based on uh, skill sets. And um, it's a pity it is like this. Uh, people's skilled, you know, appeal committee members. It's based on skill set. We're also out of <laughs> yeah, company. No, no. But uh, no, but it's more, I mean, well. Well, these things should be known in advance, but also World and Rapid and Blitz. I mean, the year 2022 is running out. There's not that much time left. I saw people complaining, you know, can, well, we also have to get visas. We have to get tickets. No, but um, the world situation, but yeah, for December, we should know. But in general, I mean, the, the world situation is quite complicated. So you, I mean, you cannot blame yeah. them. Also, but for for happy no. bits, of course. I mean, we are like uh, 17th of October. It's in uh, December. Course, I mean, okay, yeah, that should be known. Yeah, of course. I actually don't think it's solely that, but it can also be, of course, some of the venues. Could it be connected with Russia's status in the in the world of sports? I mean, a Ding Nepomnachi match. Well, Russia has said very clearly that they would like to have at least half of it, right? And there is also a lack of the female candidates tournament, which uh, has three Russian players. Again, it could be logical to have it in Russia from a sporting perspective, but there will be problems uh, politically. It, um, I mean, basically, this kind of threading water and see what happens in the world um, has been the strategy. And, um, well, I'm not a fan of it. I like what they do in, in other sports where they say, no, we, we have the consequences now. And if things improve, we can try and uh, see what to do later. But that's not how it is. And uh, so, yeah, I managed to make it a bit political in the end. Can't wait for the Football World Championship. Shining example. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But um, so I think that's more or less it in, in FIDA. Of course, there has. Uh, I thought I was involved in some some fights in the beginning of the week on Twitter. But I yeah, it's good. It's good that now. they are doing the fights uh, at the start of the week, like on Tuesday, Wednesday. When we are very grateful to FIDA. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> please do it. Uh, yeah. The next few days, then you can forget about it. That's, uh, yeah, now, now it's fine. Now it's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. All right. Then if there's no, no pressing matters that need addressing, this is it for the week. Yeah. Zero fresh drama. Laurent, your life is just, just fun and games, yeah? Corsica, beach, nice yeah, restaurants, but... bit of drinking, win some rapper tournament. Yeah, no, that was... That was... That was very much fine. Now we are back to, to the real world, which is less less fun. Yeah. But yeah. Tell me about it. After a flight yeah. to Thailand tonight, it's it's gonna be a long trip. I will be jealous. Um, yeah. Okay. I have to go and repair Magnus opening opening repertoire while he goes skiing. So yeah, that's how what I will do here. Sounds like we all have things to do. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, and see you for the next episode of the Chicken Chestnut Podcast. Rate, review, and subscribe I'm everywhere where there's podcasts. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.